Welcome back to Dillman's Dawn. I am Luke. He, him, sometimes they, them. This is the podcast where we talk about the Simpsons in one piece. And I am joined by my lovely co-host, Janine. Hello, I am Janine Juliet. My pronouns are she, they, and I'm a shiny rainbow star. You're a shiny rainbow star. We got to that opening. Is that anybody's favorite? Well, isn't that one by the band that, like, months ago you were like, oh, I love this band. They eventually do a One Piece theme, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, they do. Or is that oh, another no, band? That, that, was, that was ZZ. They did the A to Z. I don't remember that one. There's a lot of One Piece themes. And also, like... Tell us your favorite. Like, if it's come up already. If I haven't gone to it yet, which is probably, like what 75 percent of their music now i mean i haven't listened to all of them like we are i think next year getting to the point of one piece where i stopped watching for reasons uh mainly the the dub no longer worked on the Funimation app at the time and i didn't want to have to watch ahead in my browser and then keep switching things out and yeah uh I mean, I really like the one that I think was just before this, where it's like, where it starts off with them on the bikes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some of them that will make me cry, like the initial Water 7 one. Where they fall out of the sky into the water first, and then uh, that's the one where you have the uh, Aokiji freezing Nika Robinson, and yeah, that makes me cry sometimes. <laughs> Manly tears! Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Don't don't anybody get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I'm queer, but my tears are still manly. Uh yeah. So welcome back to episode 46 of this uh podcast. If you're looking forward to us matching a bonk punch, then I apparently made a mistake editing the past two episodes where it said, oh hey, we're gonna uh match bonk punch but we're not here to talk about bonk punch because bonk punch has not yet appeared in the episode bonk punch does not appear in this one bonk punch is in guantanamo bay for the time being we're here and bonk punch as sir not appearing in this episode (laughs) you're the boss and i'm the bonk punch tonight uh what we're here to discuss is One Piece and Simpsons episodes that ran between November 5th and December 17th of the year 2006. And that would have been my sophomore year. And this would have been the time that my dad... Oh no, this would be just before my dad got me the Dark Tower books for Christmas, which led me to reading the entire Dark Tower series, which led me to finishing the original last Dark Tower book during show week when I was the prop master on our high school production of Les Miserables. I was really good at delegating. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, different, different time of my life for me. This is the part of my life where I almost joined the army, but backed out at the last second. Wow, what a apt thing that will be relevant to episodes that we bring up tonight. I know, I lost my fucking mind when I saw that. I was like, oh my god. If I saw this before then, it probably would have changed absolutely nothing. It was gonna 
pan out the way that it panned out. And I'm glad that it did because I don't think it would have made me a better person. And you got to be honest that sometimes you can look at a kid and be like, oh, yeah, the armies would fuck that kid up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm more worried about the people who wouldn't be changed by the army, who the idea of killing another person and serving imperialist goals is just like, yeah. This is what I've been shaped for. This is what my education has brought me to. This is what my family life has brought me to. I am a killing machine who is going to pay off college if I can ever actually go to college, if I can survive this hellscape that I'm entering into. Wow, did we just watch that episode again? Because I feel like I did. Uh, no, we specifically watched episodes that ran between November 5th and December 17th of the year 2006. Uh, the first one of these is Treehouse of Horror 17, which includes Married to the Blob, where Homer eats a goo from space and then starts eating everything, turning into a massive blob monster, but then he feels bad, and so he eats the homeless people to help the city. It's a bad one. It's terrible. Holy shit. Like, this is the Vore episode, but it's also, like, a lot of other things. Yeah. So fatphobic. So, like, The Simpsons has made its stance on what they think of unhoused people before. And you've heard me complain about it, and you'll hear it again. Because this this is kind of fucked up, dog. It's... It's the mid-2000s. The housing crisis hadn't happened, or the housing crash hadn't happened yet, Janine. Those people chose to be poor. They aren't supporting our war on terror enough. America! Freedom! And what happens in the next episode is so fucking left-leaning. It's like, holy shit, where do you stand on anything? Like... Uh, the second segment is you gotta know when to golem, where Bart finds the golem of frog and uses it for bits until Lisa lets it talk and it feels neurotic, so Marge makes him a wife. Voiced by Fran Drescher. Making it automatically very hot to Janine. Yeah. Uh, last year, Abby and I watched all of the nanny and 90% of it held up. There's some uh, bits that didn't age well, uh, including stuff about Israel. Oh, God. Cool. Brown face. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is The Day the Earth Looked Stupid, where Springfield hears the War of the Worlds broadcast and thinks it's real and descends into chaos. And eventually everyone pretends to be animals until Lisa reveals it was all a prank. And then Kang and Kodos actually attack, but then this turns to a military quagmire as an Iraq war metaphor that is very heavy-handed. But it also does end with the fucking... I don't want to set the world on fire. Which Fallout 3 at this point would have been very beloved, and this could just be, like, one of the first, like, video game nerd things that, like, really kind of gets put in here. I mean, it was also used in, uh, I believe, Fallout 1 and 2. But (sighs) those were niche games. Niche games. We needed Todd Howard to come and shape the Fallout series into something viable. Todd, you fucking coward, release Fallout 3 in New Vegas on the Nintendo Switch. I see you continuing to sell Skyrim, you fucking coward. Todd Coward. I I want a way to play Fallout 3 in New Vegas without needing to get a computer gene. My computers you know, are for podcasts and work. Valid. <laughs> I'm not going to complain on that. Like, I don't want to have to. Okay, the only way that I feel like that is because I don't have a Steam Deck. <laughs> if I had a Steam Deck, like, I'd change my tune fucking fast. Oh, yeah, no. Abby has been like, hey, Luke, do you want a Steam Deck? And I'm like, I would love one. It would probably be a bad idea. 
But the okay. Nintendo Switch is a friend. God. Giving me access to actual computer games would be a bad idea. But I would recommend Cassette Beasts. It's fun and queer. Uh, the next episode was G.I. No! Or G.I. Uh, where army recruiters decide to pre-recruit elementary school students and Bart signs up. Homer ends up enlisting when he tries to get Bart out of the military. But Homer kind of fails out and gets left behind to work in the war games uh, as the opposite side and ends up leading the war games into Springfield proper where he stays on the run. Marge ends up uniting the townspeople to get the army drunk to end the games and Homer gets... Uh, to just work as a military recruiter. This goes full on Looney Tunes. It does. Which, the beginning part, the recruiting elementary school students was too fucking real, dog. Yeah, I mean, like, I got, I gotta be honest, like... Did it, it make you want to join? No, it, it, it like almost made me, like, in real life mad about all of that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I had to, like, sit down and just feel like, what the fuck are you gonna do? It's, it's been almost 20 years since thing was <laughs> aired. Like, what the fuck? It's, it's done. It's so far done that, like, people do not remember it. So I was just like, okay, fine. That's what things were then, and, like, kind of the reality that we face now and I have to sit here with the idea of it in my head and I don't know like I get it it's hilarious but it's also kind of like dark uh frustrating uh-huh. <laughs> oh. you wish I... a joke like a type of joke like this didn't have to exist but holy yeah. shit holy shit holy shit the good news is that eventually we will have a use for the uh, deadly hurricane that the military blows up in that commercial. One Piece. Uh, the next episode was Mo Na Lisa, where Homer forgets Mo's birthday fishing trip, and when Mo shares his pain in a letter, it inspires Lisa. She helps Mo arrange his writing into a poem and gives him the title, which gets published, and Mo is invited to the Word Love Festival, and he invites the Simpsons. Mo lies about creating the title in front of Lisa so he can feel better, and she feels slighted. And then when Mo asks her for help with another poem, she rejects him, so he publicly apologizes to her. You had pointed out in our discussion that this is essentially flaming Mo too, poetic boogaloo. Basically, but I also kind of like it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a bit more realistic that uh, Mo is interacting with people on a more believable level. Also, hi, Michael Shabon. I like your book that I've read. <laughs> you know the one. Yeah, uh, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. You definitely get the feeling that this was kind of an excuse for uh, some of the Simpsons writers to write about some of the writers that they like. Uh-huh. But, you know, it also kind of just was, like, a fun story between two characters that don't necessarily, like, interact very much, but when they do... Uh, it is it is hilarious. Like Millhouse calling Moe's and Lisa saying, I'm not here. Fucking <laughs> cracked me up. Like because it's you know, the the kind of world that they share where both of them can be able to get in on something and have like full investment and autonomy of adults inside of a situation that's so fantastical is like it's, you know, like, everything about Springfield is already nuts. So mm -hmm. just go with it and just play both characters to their strengths in a very predictable scene on how it's going to end. But just still let it end sweet for both characters. And maybe Mo can, like, feel good 
because he's been used for a lot of one-off suicide, like blink and you miss it suicide jokes, and mm-hmm. uh, actually like watching him like get something good could like maybe both give an explanation of why he hasn't died yet and also maybe give like some people some idea that hey like there's still adventure around the corner if you feel like mo sometimes oh yeah mo does eventually get into a relationship and it's been interesting that it's a slow burn i don't necessarily care for the character who he's in a relationship with because it's one of those things where it's coded in a weird way where it's like, oh, well, you're putting a lot of stuff on this character, but it's also being treated in a... It, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, the next one is Ice Cream of Margie with the light blue hair, where Homer kills the ice cream man and takes over his truck, and Marge starts making sculptures with popsicle sticks while searching for meaning, which earns her attention and an art show Homer promises to go to her show but gets distracted and ends up destroying her statues and the ice cream truck and Homer gives a genuine apology when he recognizes what he did was wrong and I think that he kind of earned it more this time like, yeah I, I mean I think that Marge expecting Homer to be there as soon as her event started was maybe a bit i i i don't want to say it's unrealistic but i kind of want to say that it's unrealistic like we know what to expect from homer at this point but like if he hadn't felt that pressure he wouldn't have ended up crashing the car and destroying everything yeah i mean i i find that i i like this one in the long 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 line of Homer fucks up and has to make it better uh, because it actually like he doesn't get the instant like hand wave Mm -hmm. okay everything's better like you see him squirm for a while and what we really needed to see this straight white man just squirm squirm like the little worm that he is squirm like a worm um because he does not like deserve the queen that Marge is, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm saying that because, like, I don't know, milfs. But right now, I think that um, a person who's very turned on by middle-aged women. Okay, yeah. So maybe that might be a factor. Get off my dick. Um, <laughs> But, uh, like, you, yeah, I, I do get a sense that, like, he earned it and, like, the kind of thing that Marge did, too, like, I found was, like, really cool. Like, she took that pain that she was feeling and she made art out of it of the person that she wanted to show that, you know, she had that love. And that was, I don't know, like... I feel a lot for Marge in the in the past few episodes where stuff like this happened and the fact that like she fucking caved so easy so just getting to just show that they have this kind of a thing I don't know kind of feeling like it show it's starting to show some healthier relationships breakthrough like we are we are getting to the end of jerk ass homer Oh, like, I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait. We've got the movie coming up uh, in a few episodes, and that I think the real gems described as the exorcism of jerk ass Homer. Cool. The next episode is the ha ha couple. Uh, Marge forces Bart to go to Nelson's birthday party where he got everyone else to boycott it and Nelson decides that Bart is his best friend. So Bart takes advantage of the benefits and then when Nelson catches Bart hanging out with Millhouse, he gets angry and Bart tells Nelson to leave him alone. And Nelson really feels hurt because he was taken advantage of and he and Bart like come to this understanding. Also, the B-plot is about hair is about Homer getting into a Harry Potter analog and then reading ahead of Lisa and doesn't want her to, and he doesn't want her to find out the truth when a character dies, which is kind of sweet, but 
oh boy, did this one make me feel feelings that kind of toxic friendships and kind of how people can use each other and yeah oh golly oh golly yeah this one who you know i i I expected a a much more simpler wrap-up from uh the the nelson and bart plot um but because you know it hit a lot of points that you would see in the simpsons where it's like Okay, uh, long movie reference, a uh, couple of jokes, mm-hmm. and and like you could be able like to, you know, real world analog talk between kids. I don't know, uh, but by the end of it, it was like, oh no, hey, wait, no, they're actually like talking about their feelings and shit, and like actually coming to grown up conclusions about where they stand as people. And yeah. Bart just has to sit with like the knowledge of what exactly he does to a person. And that's just fucking like it like not every toxic relationship is a two-way street, but I think this one definitely was where Nelson was putting out an expectation of what a best friend was and Bart was willing to exploit that. And I mean, I have been on the side of both feeling exploited and I think being the exploited person and like even switching between that and a relationship in the past that kind of ruined a friendship or has kind of made me sense kind of question, was there a friendship at that point or at like any point or was it sort of the childlike friendship of it's like oh hey we both like the same things we should like hang out together and oh that is something that i kind of came to some realizations about while i was on vacation so oh thanks simpsons i also do think that the the ending ultimate ending uh with the um Homer and Lisa plot uh, was like the most in character thing for the both of them, but it did kind of like give them both a moment to like have that good, you know, have that good time to show that, Hey, like this family actually does love each other. And for Lisa to at the very end, actually like, pull out another copy, read the end, just to make sure, just to see what it was, and just says that she loves her dad's ending Indeed. better. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, dog. Like, The Simpsons is getting good. She, like, cares about the truth, but also respects the gesture and understands it. Because, like, Homer Point Blank asks her, hey, would this devastate you if uh, bad things happened and she's like yeah it would and I, it's a wild thing for him to do but uh yeah a like surprisingly good episode Frankie Yak get us more uh seasons especially for the next episode Kill Gill volumes 1 and 2 where Marge lets Gil stay with the family when he gets fired for helping Lisa, but he ends up staying too long, taking advantage of Marge being unable to say no, and then when she's finally ready to confront him after a year, he's already left for a new job and moved out of the house. So Marge tracks him down to confront him and demeans him so much that he loses all of his confidence and credibility and gets fired, and so the family buys a house in Arizona to support him. But uh, there's someone else in this episode we need to talk about, my friend. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Elvis Doiko. <laughs> Professional figure skater with a hot wife. Uh, or sorry, I mean the Grumple. The Grumple, dog. <laughs> grumpily, grumpily grew. I fell in love with his motherfucker. He's, oh. like, just any time that he came up, like... 
this is this is a weird point in the simpsons where we're seeing them just like fucking throw out some jokes that definitely feel like earlier simpsons like there was an irish joke uh like in this episode that mm-hmm. that made me like a little bit nostalgic for like the conan days mm-hmm. um, oh where it's all the characters drunkenly singing and there's a leprechaun there which is like okay like yeah horrible racist. terrible racist depictions but like i don't know it's like it's it's, it's, it's also it's, like definitely the same kind of like jokes that conan would have just taken and used in late night it's about about this time it's it's a very like silly bit and like the grumple thing i i feel like part of it could be easily written off as like oh it's like the chicken fights of family guy but it's done short it's not extended scenes that are just taking bits from movies but it's also just building this weird lore because, like, there's a scene where they stab his eyes and goo just comes out. They're like, what is he? Yeah, like, <laughs> just, just just that small joke and that cutaway that, like, it doesn't get answered. Uh, the, the fact that, like, Hover just asks, do you think that's the same one from before? Like, when he appears outside the house with a knife. Like, like <laughs> fucking, the, it, it never overstays its welcome it's always always funny and like it definitely feels like it it just got came someone came up with it and like other people just started riffing on it so much Mm. i would i would not be surprised if this if we see more of the grumble in the future it also reminded me of how my sister was terrified by previews of the jim carrey grinch movie because at the time she's like, oh no, uh, he. She was like four or five, and she was horrified that the Grinch would actually come in and steal everything. Whoa! She should have been afraid that that movie is a movie for perverts. So I should watch it. Have you not seen that movie? Ah, uh... Jim Carrey live action Grinch. I haven't actually. I've I've not. Oh. Janine, the Grinch gets stuck in a tree as a baby outside of the Who's having a key party where they are fucking. What the fuck? Yeah, no, it is a weirdly horny movie. Dahu Dore. Uh, but yes. So, I think, like, except for the Treehouse of Horror, all the episodes had something that we really enjoyed. And even the Treehouse of Horror just really had Married to the Blob, which was a bad segment. Uh, New characters that we can use now include the Golem of Prague, J. Jonah Jameson, I love that they got uh his face I'm blanking on his name. JK Simmons? Yes, JK Simmons. Uh we now can use Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus, Mr. Mooch, the Grumple, Elvis Stoikel, the 50-foot Lenny, Big Band Stew, Cyborg Mole Man, <laughs> Millhouse's Mannequin. Uh, a Paper Simpsons family, Air Tank Octopus, Matrix Poochie, oh, and God. more. I can't wait to use Matrix Poochie for something. I can't wait to uh, Yep, uh, mentally my brain was like, oh, I know who we can use Matrix Poochie on. Oh. Uh, but don't yeah, forget, I... we also have Dr. Phil, so... I'm also excited to find some somebody somewhere for Dr. Phil. Forget Dr. Phil. We can use Captain Crunch. <laughs> That's I right. Mean, a captain. Um, uh, We got a few military people in this one. Which will be great coming up. 
because we need more military people. Uh, but we, we've spent like a half hour <laughs> kind of just shitting around, and it's been great. Uh, so much for a very short episode. Uh, we also watched episodes 284 through 290 of One Piece. Are you ready? Yep. These episodes include The Blueprints Aren't Passed, Frankie's Decision. Retrieve the five keys. The Straw Hat Crew versus CP9. Power of the Devil Fruit. Kaku and Jabra transform. Even when I die, I won't kick you. Sanji's manly chivalry. Ukuro's miscalculation. My cola is the water of life. Zoro's new technique explodes. The katana's name is Soge King. Uncontrollable. Chopper's forbidden rumble. You got me with the Zoro's technique robot voice. <laughs> As the Straw Hats prepare to fight ZP... Yeah. As the Straw Hats prepare to fight CP9, Spondum flees, bringing Nico Robin along with him. That is when Frankie pulls out the blueprints for the ancient weapon Pluton and tells Robin she can't be a monster because Spondum and the people who would use the ancient weapons are the real monsters. Promising to make sure that Robin will be safe so her knowledge can't be weaponized without a counter, he burns the Pluton blueprints. It's fucking badass. It's fucking badass. I love it. Are are you shipping the two of them? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. It's a popular ship. Meanwhile, Granny Kokoro was able to get Rocket Man running again, driving it through the courthouse where Chief Justice Baskerville turned out to be three people. Yeah. <laughs> Basker and Vil. Which, did you see that coming? Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess... <laughs> it's I also been did, a while. Yeah, I think we did um, cast three separate people as them uh, instead of <laughs> one thing that had three heads. Yeah, I don't remember who we did. Oh, God, we have so many filler ones. Uh, Baskerville was who hot and he. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then Granny Coke Road drives the train through Chief, Jessica, eh, through Chief Justice Baskerville. While the drawbridge is only partially lowered, she ramps Rocket Man off of it, and Luffy brings the straw hats onto it. Frankie joins them, and they crash into the Tower of Law on the other side where everyone is fine except for some minor nosebleeds. Freaking out, Spondum orders Rob Lucci to protect him and Robin while the rest of the CP9 agents will face the Straw Hat Pirates. CP9 agent Fukuro, who is the giant man who has a zipper mouth, appears and accidentally reveals Spondum's plan, which is to save Robin, the Straw Hats will have to fight every agent because each of them has a key, but only one of those keys will unlock Robin's sea prism stone cuffs. And if they try to just save Robin first, the agents will throw away the keys. I like that we have a nice, clear setup. Yeah, it's very clear stipulations, very clear, like, okay, then the fastest way to do this is that everybody takes on somebody. And, like, I don't know, like, I like that it starts off clean, though, because mm -hmm. it definitely doesn't end up clean. Oh, no, it's it's going to be the kind of inversion of the last arc that we saw where everyone mostly stuck to one enemy. Luffy, meanwhile, heads off after Rob Lucci and the rest of the Straw Hats split up to fight the other agents. Meanwhile, Chimney and Gonbei, those sweet little freaks, find the secret passageway where Spondam headed with Robin. Zoro stumbles onto Kaku, who reveals that he's the strongest swordsman in CP9, and as the two start fighting and are evenly matched, 
Kaku decides to reveal his new devil fruit power, the Oxax fruit giraffe model, and turns into a giraffe. A fucking giraffe. Mm-hmm. A fucking like, giraffe. A fucking giraffe, man. A fucking giraffe. I mean, I guess anything was possible, but I just... A, a giraffe. Okay. <laughs> oh. So Gay King tries looking for someone to fight and finds Jabra sleeping in another room with his key in plain sight. So Gay King goes to sneak across, but first a bee lands on his nose and stings him. And then a rooster gets in his way, and when it chirps, instead of uh, making the Crow. crocodile sound, yeah, yeah. crowing. So Gay King shouts out loud, which wakes up Jabra, who turns into his Zoan form as a wolf man. Also, I I feel like people might not be aware, but roosters don't just, or like chickens even, don't just crow when the sun goes up. They just cockadoodle whenever they fucking want. Yeah. Said Luke, having been on an island recently where there's just a bunch of free-range roosters. I, I feel like that's important context for people who might not normally encounter roosters. I've had neighbors that had them in their backyards before, so mm -hmm. I'm I'm a little bit wise to rooster behavior and how to escape them when they run at you. You try and sell them a timeshare? Uh no, no, no. They famously don't have good credit. Oh. Well, I mean, good credit isn't the point. You're trying to get someone's money, and then they're trapped in a legal statement where even if they try and declare bankruptcy, you can still come after them. Uh, anyways, Kaku and Zora fall into that room uh, with Kusop and Jabra, and Jabra makes fun of Kaku's new powers. Soge King, meanwhile, finds a set of sea stone cuffs and accidentally attaches one of them to Zoro. Enraged that the fight is going on, Kaku uses a tempest kick in the giraffe form, which slices through the entire Tower of Justice at a slant. And then once the dust is settled, Soge King realizes that he has the other handcuff to Zoro. And Kaku and Jabra don't want to fight them one-on-one. -on -one. They check to see if they have the right key to let the duo go, but when it turns out that they don't, they're just like, all right, then we're going to beat the shit out of you. Kaku and Jabra are just great. I enjoy their bit. I get it. I mean, like, one of them is, like, clearly, like, a wolf. But the thing about it is, like, you... Okay, all right. So you have, like, an almost photorealistic giraffe that turns into a fucking weird square giraffe. And then you have, like, the most, like fucking cartoon wolf. looking wolf and that's just like oh i can't take any of them seriously i can't take either of them seriously but like in this situation i i don't i don't have to because um both zoro and usopp are in a very silly situation and i well, it, it gets well, to the point where it's like okay defeating them is not the challenge the challenge is you're in a situation that is so specific and unplanned for that you have to figure out what the fuck you're gonna do. Um, Janine, excuse me for a moment. Usopp isn't here. Usopp left the crew. Soge King is here. Usopp and Soge King aren't the same. Let's keep going. Uh, Chopper hears Soge King screaming and finds Zoro and Soge King being chased by Jabra and Kaku, and they ask Chopper to go find Key 2. Sanji, meanwhile, stumbles into a bathroom where Khalifa is waiting, and it starts to just get very horny. Sanji helps uh, Khalifa prepare tea the correct way before he remembers what he's doing after he's had three cups of tea. Khalifa starts fighting Sanji, but he acts defensively because he won't hit a woman, and so she hits him in the balls and then continues to take advantage of his chivalry before she decides to activate her mysterious power. Nami gets stopped by Kumadori, who just keeps delaying things before he starts tangling Nami with his hair. 
Nami runs away, but she gets caught again. Luckily, that is when Chopper interrupts and rescues Nami and explains the whole key situation. And that is when Sanji falls from above, looking weird and shiny, with his power drained, and Nami figures that he ended up fighting Khalifa and lost because he won't kick a woman, and she rightfully calls him stupid and decides she'll have to take down Khalifa. And that's when she goes into the room where Khalifa's getting into the bath. Uh, who... What do you think Khalifa's power is? I've got no fucking idea, dog. Like, I've, I've been trying to think about that this entire time, and, like, I, I'm just drawing a blank. I can't think of anything. Khalifa's power is that even if they never walk in on any other episode, someone who will judge you is going to walk in on the Khalifa and Nami fight in the bathroom. That's her power. It's just going to be, oh, you're walking in on the one horniest fight that we've had here. Sure. That's how it shakes out. That's what we're getting for fucking Christmas this year. We're getting horny shamed in CP9. Okay. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Shimmy and Gonbei return to tell the pirates about the secret passage, but they end up finding another secret passage that actually leads out to where Luffy is currently drowning in the water. They rescue him and lead him to that passage, and then get to a door where Spondum uh, went through, but it is now locked. So Luffy activates a new technique to open the door, a third gear. And the shock of the attack causes the top of the Tower of Justice to slide off more, but the doorway is opened and Luffy is now incredibly small. You getting excited. We're getting two Super Saiyan levels in a single arc. Okay. I mean, I've, I've no context for it besides it existing, but like, I assume that it exists further than this now. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh. The true powers of the gum gum fruit have been revealed. Mm. They finally got revealed last year. Mm. Like 25-ish years in. And you'll never see it coming. Okay, that's ominous. As Spondum hears the shock, Rob Lucci reveals that he saw Chimney and Gonbei but didn't say anything because he wasn't told to. And he figures that Luffy is probably after him now. So Spondum has Luchi pick up Robin and Luffy uh, chases after them, returning to normal. I think it's important to know that Rob Luchi is also a fucking dumbass. He just is quieter about it, and that's an important distinction. Huh. Mm-hmm. Frankie, meanwhile, needs to get to the kitchen for more colo, and Fukuro gets in his way. Frankie tries punching him, which causes Fukuro to hide, and he ends up tricking Fukuro into coming visible, but Frankie keeps having to use more of his cola energy, and he can't hit as hard. Eventually, it spills into the kitchen, where uh, Chopper and Kumidori also spill in, but Chopper uh, ends uh, the three-minute period he can use his rumble ball, and he just has to use the last of his strength to lock Kumidori in the fridge with all of the soda. Which is a great bit. <laughs> like, I love a good bit. Chopper, who still isn't entirely sure what's going on with Frankie, especially because Frankie hurt Usopp, uh, doesn't want to help him, but Frankie says that he's trying to save Robin and he needs Cola from the fridge to help. And... Frankie doesn't have enough energy to fight Fukuro, so Chopper runs to the fridge, opens it, and grabs vegetable juice, which doesn't power Frankie correctly, and then tea, which doesn't power him up correctly. And then Chopper, like, has this moment of, I want to keep seeing what happens, and Frankie just has to yell at him to not do that. <laughs> I get it, though. I I started thinking about other kind of liquids myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he does get the cola, which recharges Frankie, and his next punch sends Fukuro through the walls of the building. Chopper then explains about needing two keys, 
and Fukuro comes back, so Frankie activates his destroyer cannon, which he's able to fire while he runs. Fukuro tries to sneak up on Frankie, but Chopper takes him by surprise. Uh, Fukuro throws himself into Frankie next, sending them both towards the water. And while Frankie gets caught in the current, Fukuro decides to wait for him to drown. Well, Kumadori comes out of the fridge, and he ate everything, and he became a big boy. Which... I like that it's just like, oh, he has no self-control. He is just a big old weirdo. Which I think is better than Married to the Blob. Because it's just a, it's not a joke that he is fat. It's a joke that he somehow ate everything in this fridge. Because he could not stop himself. I think that Kumatori is just such a very unique character that is so humorous in so many situations where he does not need to be and i <laughs> yeah. love it i love it because like you don't get enough of funny villains yeah like all the villains here are deadly like all of them are amazing killers and like incredibly dedicated assassins but they all have really weird flaws in characteristic and, and also distinct shapes yeah and, and it's, it's fucking it's so good to see them play off of each other and off of the straw hats in just weird cool ways like the way that some of them are getting different dynamics with different characters mm -hmm. and like some of them are literally just saying yeah I don't want to fight you I, I'm, I'm bouncing <laughs> Something that is uh, funny is the One Piece Pirate Warriors games, the ones that are like Dynasty Warriors but with One Piece characters. Uh, Sanji cannot actually do damage if he kicks female characters. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which is a neat bit of continuity. So you actually have to be careful about when you use Sanji in those games. Outside, Frankie works to swim back to the land while Fukuro is kind of just doing infinite jumps to fly around and uh, avoid Frankie's attack. So Frankie shoots himself out of the water with his cannon, and Fukuro gets in the way, but Frankie expects this and grabs onto him with his grappling arm, forcing both of them down so Fukuro will have to help both of them escape. Frankie then activates a centaur mode, locking Fukuro into sending them back over to the land. And then shoots Fukuro with a cannon blast directly in the face, launching him into the ground, defeating him. Kaku and Jabra start arguing with each other, and Soge King tries to get them to actually fight each other until Zoro ruins the plan. Which, I love that Zoro can never see where things are going. It's another great fit. Uh, so Soge King tries to do it again, which distracts them. Meanwhile, Zoro decides that if one of them just has their hand chopped off, then they can find Chopper and get it put on. And then he has a second, better idea to just use Soge King holding his sword as a new sword, which doesn't work, and so Zoro debates going back to cutting off a hand. It's such a funny bit. Just, <laughs> like... Not only how, how fucking ready he's just cut, like, he's so ready to cut off parts of his body. Mm -hmm. Like, it's his first go-to thing. It is just like... Every time. And, like, he, he cares so little if it is him or not. He's giving the fair shot of rock, paper, scissors. Like... Mm -hmm. <sighs> oh. Meanwhile, Chopper is fascinated by Kubidori, who reveals that he has the ability of life return, which allows him to fully control his body through strength of will, and he has turned himself into a Shishi lion dog, which, this is just a power that he has. He has not eaten a devil fruit or anything. Kubidori senses hair after Chopper, putting him on the defensive, and Chopper considers taking another rumble ball, but... Each additional one that he takes has drawbacks. The second one, uh, he takes it when he has no other choice, especially because Kumidori is attacking with fire and he can't control the form that he changes into. And he knows he just needs to get the key to save Robin. 
and then he finds out that Kumadori doesn't have a key on him. Uh, Chopper just keeps taking hits because he can't change into the right form, and he just wants to get to the arm point because he knows one additional hit can, uh, like, knock Kumadori out. But he is on the edge. He finally reaches arm point and uses his strongest attack, but he doesn't have the energy. And so Chopper flashes back to a time when he previously took three rumble balls carelessly and it caused a bunch of damage back in the Drum Kingdom. And in the present, without any other option, he takes a third rumble ball and turns into a massive monster. And that's where we end this week, Janine. Yeah, with the fucking monster from Annihilation. <laughs> oh. One Piece. One Piece, uh, that's the name of the fucking treasure. You know what we get next episode, Janine? What do we get? Feudal Japan AU. Wow. Yes, we are going to be watching our first One Piece special. And we're going to be having our first time skip episode where we skip a few episodes. Because uh, I, I'd i rather just get the special and then all three other current Detective Luffy episodes covered. Because there's no new characters in them, but we're going to get a guest on. Okay, who do we got? Uh, currently, we have a friend of mine, Jay Ackley, who is also a musician, uh, who's coming on. He wrote the Fallout Columbus theme song. Oh, I like that one. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about the city. Uh-huh. That is still my alarm clock music. I love to get up and just be angry about gentrification. On a wave of gentrification. One so, yeah, uh, no new characters next week, uh, but we did. Discord channel. Uh, King Atticus on our Discord, which you can feel free to join or you can send emails or whatever, or Blue Sky messages, wanted to know what are your hopes for live-action One Piece Season 2? I feel like we're probably going to get everything from Logue Town into Alabasta, or we're going to get Logue Town through Drum Kingdom and then Alabasta will be season three, but that kind of seems a bit less likely. I've really no idea. Like, the thing is, is that they've done a beautiful job at just focusing on major story points and... Uh, stuff moves around a little bit and they got a little bit creative in how things moved around and how they presented it into it. And I feel like they are going to do more referencing to things that I will not be privy to in order to set things up. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I do really want to find out like the moment it, uh, if you know, you know, uh, Princess Kaya, that casting. You mean Princess Vivi? Princess Vivi, that casting. Sorry, I'm high. Um, hi, hi, I'm Luke. You, uh, I, mm, you're you're lucky you're charming because if not, I would have kicked your ass for that. <laughs> Oh, I mean, you'd be fair. You'd be fair. To do I that. wouldn't be the first. Actually, you would be. I. Ooh, I kind of do, want to do it more now. Do I seem like a person who gets into a lot of fights? Uh, like physical ooh. altercations. You're right. You've never been bullied before. I have the advantage. Oh no, I have been bullied. Oh. Damn I it. just had a devious technique. 
that I invoked, which was Stinkland. Let me talk to you. I want to kind of understand why you're bullying. We could be friends instead. I want to be a good influence in your life. Huh. And it worked. Yeah. Did you do that to me? No. Okay. I don't think you were on my bus back in like first grade. Well, I did transition, so you know. I would be very surprised if you used to be a redheaded boy. A white boy. Hey, a lot of things changed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't there to bully you back then, but I'm here to yeah. bully you now. And that is what counts. That's fair. I, I needed her experience points. What? How did we get... Where can they... I don't know. Like, we were supposed to tell them where they could be able to find us online. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, where can people find you online? You could be able to find me on Twitter still. I I just started an account for something else. I'll talk. You know what? Let's talk about that first. Hey guys, I made another pod- podcast. It is called Wrestle Girlies. Um, I made it with my pal Flatty Buttless, and it is uh wherever you get podcasts. I I think I've got it at most places. Um, it's starting off just right now. It's a little rough, but, uh, check us out on Twitter at WrestleGirlies or on Blue Sky, WrestleGirlies.Bisky.Social. That's also where you'll be able to find me, JanineJuliet.Bisky.Social and at JanineJuliet on Twitter. Um, I keep on telling myself I'll quit Twitter and, um, you know, I did for a while and then I got back to it. Uh, whew. Let's not, we'll have that conversation later, okay? Luke. Yeah. Where are you, where are you found on the internet? <gasps> Thank you. You, you remember to pass it over to me. Thank you, my friend. You can find me on He's Blue done. Sky. <laughs> God. We can never have James Reed's podcast. No, I I do normally have the gap, and then it's like, and you can find me. Uh, so I did appreciate you remembering to say, hey, Luke, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky at Coltreg, K-O-L-T-R-E-G dot com, or it's uh, not dot com, fuck, I'm tired now. Uh, you can find me on Coltreg, you can, fuck. Coltrick, K-O-L-T-R-E-G, or LukeHair.com, though I haven't updated that in a while. Uh, you can also find me on Discord at Coltrick if you want to add me, and then I'll just say, hey, you should join the Discord for this show, or you should join the Discord for Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, where I've written two feature-length scripts for movies, and we've done readings of them, and it actually feels really rewarding because I get actual, like, feedback on something that I have produced that I put my own heart and thought into as opposed to just writing recaps of TV shows like I do here sometimes. But I do take a lot of pride in the recaps that I write. So. Uh, anyways, you can find our cover artist uh, currently working with us, Mike Patton at Patton Pending, P-A-T-T-E-N-P-E-N-D-I-N-G. Uh, if you follow his Instagram, he will always happily share the new covers. And I really like the one that he did for the last SBS episode. Uh, Domance just exists uh, on social media as a blue sky. There's also the Facebook where I'm slowly remembering, hey, I can just use this to post the new covers onto the Simpsons meme pages that I'm on. That way they don't get mean about me not having created the content. Um... But if you did come from, like, Thrill House or one of the other Simpsons meme pages, welcome aboard! I'm very happy to have you there. I don't make enough memes. Or at least I don't share the memes that I make, because a lot of the memes that I make are very One Piece spoilery. 
Uh, that wraps us up. Uh, in two weeks, we are going to be covering Detective Luffy, where he's going to try and find out what happened to Mewtwo and look for his dad, and he's joined by a tiny Pikachu. Or something like that. We'll see you then. Smooth sailing. Ahoy hoy. Thank <laughs> you.